0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Nick Nurse is telling Van Vliet to get back into the lane play defense there because, again, just point nine on the shots. Embiid turns, fires for the win. Joel Embiid and, and the Sixers take Game 3 here in
0: Toronto. And the crowd is silent. <laughs>
2: That's Kate Scott, <laughs> a la Abdel Nabi, the other night as uh, Embiid hits that last second shot in overtime to win the game. And, Ray, I don't know about if you got to see this because I, on social media, looked and the uh, crew over at NBC Sports Philadelphia, uh-huh. Jim Lynham, Mark Jackson... Amy Fadul, they had the inside camera.
3: Okay, those are always fun. A
2: little celebration there, Amy. <laughs> and I'm thinking it's mostly you guys thought, like, "Oh, good, there's not going to be a double overtime and come right <laughs> on the air."
1: Exactly, exactly. Jim had called a uh, overtime early on, and I was like, "Don't say that, Jim. It's not actually free basketball. It costs us a lot. Come on, it costs us our time." But he was such a cool customer during that. That is a the video. If you've seen it, is Jimmy is. Everybody that's seen it and done it before, and Mark Jackson is every other person across the Delaware Valley. I think that just lost their minds. Mm-hmm. Mark couldn't contain it; he literally is running around the studio. Luckily, um, <laughs> I could actually air that video because sometimes the videos I take at the end are not airable; they're not so safe for work. But they were they were all good on that one. But Please. Jim was. A- he was cool as a cucumber right there. Just said I,
2: incredible. I've seen the ones with Ray Didinger dropping all kinds of not suitable for work <laughs> words. We all know we
3: know those, don't
2: we? Well, I I, I,
3: I remember the, I remember the day of Double Doink mm. uh, of mm-hmm. Barrett Brooks actually jumping out of his seat and running around the set when that mm-hmm. actually happened. So we've we've all been there for those moments. But Amy. Um, Going into the series, I mean, there was a lot of talk about how the Sixers had played down the stretch, the problems they were having, how they weren't exactly peaking for the postseason. And there was a lot of concern about the, about the Raptors because they're, they're a good team and the Sixers didn't match up with them particularly well. Um, how did you, you know, looking down, looking down the barrel of it before it began, how tough a series did you think this was going to be for the Sixers? You probably didn't expect them to be sitting here 3-0 right now.
1: No, I predicted Sixers in either six and actually I kind of thought maybe seven. I thought the Sixers would pull it out just because at the end of the day, you know Embiid being who he is is going to be your deciding factor because I thought they matched up a little too well. Um, the way that, that Toronto plays, the physicality that they have and the size, you know, they're just able to throw a lot of different things. And when you go small ball, sometimes that hurts Joel Embiid because they might call a lot of the fouls on him and you don't want him to get into foul trouble. So it was it was concerning. Obviously Nick Nurse they. They're very good defensive teams, so you didn't think the Sixers were going to be able to put up all these points like they had been doing in the early days of the James Harden trade. It was You thought it was going to be a little bit more like what you saw towards the end of the, of the season, which wasn't, as you mentioned, Ray, wasn't necessarily good. They would build these leads, and then they would give them right back and either have to squeak out a win over the Pacers or the Pistons, or they would lose those games. And you're thinking, wow, against a better coach, more talented Raptors team, that would turn into a loss going away. So there was definitely some concern. I thought the Sixers, I thought it would go the distance. I thought it would go close to the distance. I did not think that they would solve the Raptors so quickly. But that first game, the Raptors clearly had no answer for Tyrese Maxey, and he was able to do whatever he wanted. He went inside, outside. And then the second game, you saw Joel Embiid obviously assert himself, Maxey still, and Tobias Harris, two very solid games out of the gate. So I think that just that three headed monster, whomever it is being the third guy to step up has been so huge for them and been a surprise because the Raptors they do a lot of junk defenses. I mean listen, they they run zone, they they run a lot of different things. I mean Jim will talk about how they will run triangle and some box and one and things like that. And you're thinking, wow, you know, that usually stymies the Sixers and it hasn't. Maybe that week of almost like a mini training camp when the, the play in games were going on helped the Sixers get a little bit of cohesiveness when it comes to different defenses that are going to be thrown at them because i thought that they answered everything the raptors had out of the gates even when the raptors kind of came out strong in game two and game three you're thinking uh-oh Sixers answered and then they put them away um obviously it was a little bit of a trouble Spot in Toronto, you knew it was going to be. But 24 turnovers, I don't expect them to have that kind of number again.
2: no. You mentioned Tobias Harris, uh, who has had a very good series. And Mm -hmm. he's a guy who certainly gets a lot of flack in this town. I think uh, much of it is related to his contract, right? Mm -hmm. It's generally agreed he's not worth the contract he gets. But he's had a very good series and I thought really picked up his play when James Harden came in. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's as simple as having a real point guard.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. He's he's had to change his role wholeheartedly. I mean, he's a catch-and-shoot guy almost now, and, and I don't know that that was always him. I think, you know, he defensively in this series has probably been what I've come away with. He has been tasked with guarding Pascal Siakam a lot of times, which is not an easy task. He is a guy that's really physical and can move for his size. We all know that. He's a, he's a very adept, skilled, and scorer. So for Tobias Harris to be on him... I think it's pretty good. And so you see what he's been able to do on some of the guys. He's been on Fred Van Fleet at different times, but most of the time he's been on Siakam um, and a little bit on um, Gary Trent Jr. But it's, it's interesting because you're right, Glenn. I mean, obviously when you give a guy the max contract, you're expecting him to be consistently good, reliable all the time, maybe a dip here and there, but it's almost been the opposite. Now last year, obviously was a really good year for Tobias. And this year he struggled. He struggled out of the gates before Harden got here. And then he struggled when Harden got here. And so I think it's been a learning curve for him. And this whole new role that he's been kind of set up with, I think that he's finally comfortable with it, but it's such a different role for him to be able to run the court and then find a spot and then look for the ball to be passed to him. And you mentioned having a true point guard, obviously, you know, when when Ben Simmons was not here, they didn't have that. Tyrese Maxey was the point guard and he's a fine point guard. There's nothing wrong with him, but let's face it. He is a better off ball
2: player. Mm -hmm. No he doubt. does
1: very well with that. So it was different for Tobias Harris. All of a sudden, midstream, I mean, it wasn't even midstream. Let's face it. It was like almost three-quarters of the way through the season. It was like different. You know, you need to run the floor. You need to find your spot, and James Harden will find you. So I think he's actually like coming to his own a little bit, and he's being a little bit more aggressive. I think that's what we've seen from the Sixers as a whole. Joel Embiid is always aggressive. James Harden is always looking for his shot. But Maxie, we saw sometimes – you know, maybe it took a step back, and now he's saying he's going to be super aggressive. And I think Tobias Harris is saying that too. That's not in his nature. He's not that guy, but I think he's realizing that he has to be that guy because you don't know when you're going to get the ball, and he's going to have to go ahead and make something happen because of it. He can't just wait for the opportunity.
3: Yeah, I know that um, down at uh, NBC, or people tease you a lot about uh, about the Kentucky connection <laughs> everybody knows that you're a you're a UK you're a UK grad and you're loyal you're still loyal to your wildcat so there was always a certain um, you I mean you always were very fond of Maxie from the time he mm-hmm. arrived but this year I mean my goodness I mean uh-huh. um, I mean what you've seen him in in terms of his development I mean the kid is a star I mean and you can and you can just see he's just starting out um, what fun he is to watch and it you know, I always kind of think the measure of an athlete in this town is when you see people walking around and they're wearing his jersey. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, in the last in the last few weeks, I've actually begun to see some Maxi shirts happening around me. And to me, that's a sign that I think that uh, that he's really on his way to becoming a big time player.
1: Yeah, we talk about that. You know, Jim Lynham said it. I think at the beginning of this year, when we saw Maxi kind of take that first step. Um, his trajectory, and I said it, his trajectory is, is no longer like up a hill. It's almost a straight line, straight up, because he has shown with the opportunity that he can be a star. He, can, he is a star. This guy is going to be an all-star if it's not next year, the year after. Um, but he's just – that's one of the really nice silver linings of the whole Ben Simmons saga. We would not have seen this from Tyrese Maxey because we would have had a starting, starting point guard in the Sixers lineup, and you would have not been able to see what Tyrese Maxey could do. I think that his development, he took what his coach said last year. Doc Rivers said, listen, if you remember, he didn't play much in the playoffs and towards the end of the season. He said, listen, I I can't rely on you as a shooter. I need you to improve your shot. You're not a good, you know, you're you're not taking high volume threes. You're not taking good threes. He was a 30% three point shooter, which was the knock on him in college, in his short year of college. So he did. He raised, I've never seen anybody raise their three point percentage by over 13 points. He was an over forty. At this point, he's like almost a forty-five percent three-point shooter. But his trajectory now is is perennial All-Star. I think, and, and I don't say I do say that as a homer because I am. I, I did pick him for the Sixers to draft of twenty-one, and I am completely biased when it comes to this kid. But he is so much fun to watch, and he has the best time. I mean, he's so likable. To your point, Ray, people I think gravitate towards him because they like the way he plays on the court. That, that's obvious. But then you see the way that he is having fun and he always has a smile on his face and he's just so interested in getting better and learning and being the best he can be for his team. I just think that that really resonates with a lot of people and they just look at him and think, wow, this kid's going places. And you know, the Sixers, they could sign him to an extension, I think, next year that would tack on, obviously, is one more year of his rookie deal. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they they try to max that kid out because yeah. he's just, he plays so well on this team and with these guys, I I would be I would be really disappointed if he wasn't here for, oh, for a long time.
2: I I think he has the opportunity to become a longtime mm-hmm. uh, star and legend in this town. We have uh, just two more quick questions, a couple more quick questions we want to ask you. I want to know any inclination on uh, on Embiid's thumb mm-hmm. and what it may how it may impact today's game.
1: Yeah, I mean that was obviously we we noticed when he he. He had that dunk, and then he also had a shot before that, that I see, or a defensive uh, block before that, and you're thinking, uh-oh. And he started grabbing it. We all saw him, obviously, grab it, and he started, like, shaking it. You know, the reports are that it could be uh, some ligament damage. Obviously, we haven't heard or hear from Doc today. I think he's speaking in about 10 minutes um, on it. We saw him come wrapped up. His, his thumb come wrapped up. Obviously, it didn't affect his shot at the very end of the game. He's been able to play through a lot. I mean, I think for him... It's it's about getting across the finish line, and that means past the second round. I mean, he's been very very open about what he wants to do this season, and it's n- nothing to do with you know MVP. But I think he'll go. I think he'll go until he can't physically go, and and that's a little bit obviously of a concern because they are going to get past the Raptors, whether it's today or Monday. That's happening. You don't want to set him up for failure in the next round where you're going to be without you know the MVP. Um, in a lot of people's minds so my my inclination is that he plays if they can give him any kind of you know break um, and they don't have to play him the entire game I mean, he played 45 minutes the last game plus almost all the starters played 45 minutes in the last game obviously with the overtime it would be really nice to give him a little rest he can get maybe some treatment but it seems like and and we'll have a little bit more clarity it seems like it's an injury that's going to linger and he's just going to have to see how he can play through it whether it's bandaging it up whether it's you know, getting some treatment on it every game, maybe at halftime as well. But you know, everybody's banged up right now, and you're seeing some of the superstars across the league getting banged up, and it's disappointing because you want everything to be, you know, everybody to be healthy and to be all fair and square. But I think for him, he's going to go until he physically can't move that hand. Honestly. Yeah.
3: Well, it's going to be fun. I I I kind of agree with you. If it doesn't end today, I think it'll we'll certainly end yeah. the, next, the next game when they come back to Philadelphia, and. Then on they go. I mean, uh-huh. of, the t- of the teams that are out there, is there one team that you look at and say, "Yeah, I don't want to take those guys on? Or do you think the way they're playing right now, you're, you're willing to take on anybody in the East? Yeah.
1: You know what? I don't know that I would have said that before the playoff started, Ray. I think I would have been like, oh, I don't know. Like, that Bucks team concerns me. But you're seeing, when you, when you watch the other series, you're seeing cracks in the armor. Um, the Celtics obviously are very, very skilled and they've been there before and we know that they're well coached and we know all that. But I, that's probably the only team that I would be like, oh, that that one would be a series. That would be really pretty strong. And But that's already, that's if the Celtics get there. I mean, obviously they're up to, no, 2-0. It and ain't going
2: to be the Nets, Amy. Yeah, Let's, come on now. It's not going to be the it. Nets.
1: I love that they're thinking about dropping Ben Simmons in a series if they're down three. Like, that's insane. Oh, He's played be great. basketball since June. Uh, but come whatever.
2: on. It's going to be enjoyable for yeah. us.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. Let, let's be let's be honest. You're yeah. right. But, no, Crash I think the burn. Celtics are the only team that I would look at and be like, wow, because I think they can match up well with the Bucks. Obviously, there's some injuries with there with Chris Middleton. And then the Heat, you know, you, you never really know. They run that zone as well. But the Sixers have proved that they can get around it. And the way they're shooting the three right now, if they hit some of those, the zone really kind of becomes null and void. So, I would hope that um, they could get. I mean, it's been a, over 20 years since they've gotten past the second round. That's really that's that's the goalpost for me. Like it, minimum Eastern Conference Finals is just. I, I just don't see how they can. They're playing Gotta so be. well. I don't want it to be derailed. Because All these
2: years have built up to them. Can you believe it? Over yes, 20 and, years. I know, and and it can't it can't be stalled because of an beat injury. That would exactly. be that I'm would be you. the terrible ending to it. Amy Fadul Kane, always a pleasure.